Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Sav. I'm Savannah, digital creator, tarot reader, entrepreneur, and podcast host. On the show, we get real and expose the unfiltered experiences of life. Are you ready for all this? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Scenes with Sav. I'm your host, Savannah Ishara. Today, we are covering a fun topic that I am really passionate about, and that is solo travel. I've done a decent amount of solo travel, I guess, compared to the average person, but I haven't done crazy big trips or foreign countries by myself or anything like that. In order to get to that place, I do think it's important to start doing smaller trips by yourself, especially if you're a female, to get comfortable to start to feel confident and navigating alone and really get comfortable just enjoying your time, planning your time and managing your time. So that way, if you do choose to take on bigger trips, solo trips, faraway trips, you have all of the necessary foundational things under your belt. If you're a man or male identifying, you're of course welcome to take these tips and this travel itinerary guide for yourself and apply it as well. I have have female, (laughs) I have female identifying experiences, so I will be speaking from that lens, but just know that lots of these are practical and logical and they apply to you too. These are just things that I found worked for me and that I will continue to implement as I expand my travel. Ideally, vision board goals, I'm working completely remote from anywhere I would like and I can afford to energetically and financially travel and stay for long periods of time in different countries. That's my dream. I would love to have a year of just digital nomading. Oh my gosh. Just even talking about that makes my heart so happy. And so I knew, okay, well, what's you know a few steps down from that to get myself prepared for what that might be like? And it starts by just taking day-long trips by yourself, overnight trips by yourself, and extending that rope little by little. I know I've been giving you guys a lot of like tips and how to's and things like that because I really just do feel that passionately about the things that it's like look I don't have everything down okay I definitely don't know it all (laughs) I have so much to learn but the things that I do have down and that I feel like are working well and functionally and I've gotten feedback in my personal life from my friends you know that that information serves are the things that you've received here first on this podcast so let me know your thoughts you can always reach out to me on social or email the podcast heysav at savannahishara.com that is the official podcast email so you'll be able to reach out to me there and submit your suggestions apply to be on the podcast and give feedback with that intro out of the way let's go ahead and talk about solo travel Solo travel is something that is really important to me for a while, especially as we were in the pandemic and moving out of the pandemic uh, was something that I found myself doing quite a bit. At first, that travel was just day-long trips or half-day trips, and then it grew to be overnight, which I actually didn't really consider initially, and I had a an old friend pitched the idea to me. It's something that she had done. She had done road trips back home on the East Coast and all types of really lengthy solo travel. And I remember looking at her thinking like, how? She gave me some tips a while back. I had applied them since then. I have been doing my own thing and making it my own. And now I have the ability to share that with you. I'll, I'll do my best to kind of make this more conversational and not so tip one, tip two, and here are the steps, but like low key, these are the steps. <laughs> so take it, uh, take what serves, leave what doesn't as usual. I would recommend new first time solo travelers to 
to start with a day trip. You want to consider location initially at the gate when you're planning and of course cost, right? There's a lot of different ways that you could go to about this. So figure out your budget or about how much you want to spend for a trip that's short. I would recommend driving or flying no farther than two to three hours away from your home location. So for me, Joshua Tree, I live in LA. Joshua Tree was the perfect destination that I visited multiple times. Idlewild was great, so I could switch up my my environment and not go full desert, but go more mountain. Santa Barbara is a wonderful one. San Diego was pretty cool too. Although my personal solo travel usually centers around nature. And now that I've gotten into hiking and more physical activities and and fun things in that realm, I do my best to pick locations that offer that. If you're looking to just do solo travel as like a weekend staycation or a getaway, then you'll have many more options available to you as far as places that are going to be within that two to three hour window. Here, I would challenge you to make this more of a... Yes, a fun a fun thing that you do for yourself, but give yourself an opportunity for some spiritual growth too. You might be rolling your eyes listening to this. Hopefully not. Hopefully like, you know, we're all in that same team of wanting to grow and do better and all that. Uh, but I, I say this because nature, of course, can offer an opportunity to just get away from the busyness of the city, get away from the, the constant buzz of our electronics, our Wi-Fi, our phones, our TVs, our computers, all of the things. Uh, and, and if you can, I would highly recommend getting some time during your solo trip off the grid. And so what that means is literally getting off the grid, get your your body, get your physical being into a place that does not have an electrical grid running under it. Getting into nature and getting off the grid will do wonders to help reset your nervous system and bring you to a place of calm and a very peaceful state of mind. And the first time I did this consciously was last year, maybe, no, almost two years ago now. Was it two years ago? Regardless, it wasn't that long ago. We'll say one to two years ago. And it was in Joshua Tree and I did my first overnight solo trip. I'll give you the lay of the land as far as how I did this and the itinerary and and why I prioritize certain things a little later in this episode. But that trip was unlike anything I've ever done. My intentionality behind it and what I experienced just within that 30 or something so hours. I got there early and I immediately went to Joshua Tree National Park. And that was my first national park visit, which, oh my gosh, I've only been to three or four national parks, but I feel like I could do a whole episode on the magic of national parks. Like just if you've never seen pictures of them or been to one, I highly recommend you prioritize getting out to your nearest national park at all costs, like schedule that like you would a vacation because it is just incredible. The state of the earth and the state of these places. And it really is just so grounding and spiritually illuminating to be in a place that's protected and untouched and not on an electrical grid. So getting back to my story, I book it to the park, I get there. And if if you haven't been to Joshua Tree National Park, it kind of looks like another world. It really does. I won't go so far as to say it looks like Mars because I've been to other national parks that definitely look more Marsy, but it just looks so prehistoric. Like the way that the the color of the rocks and the terrain and the the composition and the contrast between 
the green of the Joshua, like the yucca, the Joshua trees, uh, against the blueness of the sky. And the giant boulders, Joshua Tree National Park is one of the top places for rock climbing. And so you get to see these huge boulder formations with the trees and the the colors. And it's just so, it's so beautiful and it's so simple. And I think that's one of my top reasons as to why I love that park so much and really just the desert in general. I'm a water sign, so obviously I'm partial to the water. And maybe not all water signs like the water, but I just feel like cancers get this connotation with like (laughs) water specifically, I guess, because we're a crab sign or whatever. But I've always felt really drawn to the desert. I love all, like put me in any type of nature and I'll make it work, but there's something about the desert that I feel like is so much more grounding and much more, I don't know, just like ancestral, if that makes sense. Like like the feeling I feel like I would get if I were in a jungle with like an indigenous like tribe or I was in the mountains of Peru or something like that. Like that's the feeling that I get when I'm in the desert or like in Joshua Tree. It just feels so, yeah, ancestral is the only way I can think about it. Like you feel like the land that you're walking on holds ancient wisdom and and you understand when you're there how harsh that terrain really is and how powerful the plants and the the animals and the insects that live there must have to be in order to sustain life in that area like it's it's so wild and so this train of thought and this mode of thinking and that level of gratitude and appreciation is super easy to come by and tap into when you're in a place like that shit gets very real very quickly there are literally signs in the national park at the trailhead that just printed out in big letters bold black letters do not die today And it's like, it's kind of funny. Literally, people have have posted that. Park rangers post those things because it's true. Like, there's very little shade. There is no water. I mean, there's a a few campgrounds. I want to say there's like six or seven campgrounds in Joshua Tree National Park. Three or four of them have access to drinking water. So not very much drinking water relative to how big the park is, you you begin to realize that the resources there are very scarce. It immediately makes you more grateful for the resources that you have access to, the resources that you brought with you, and the resources that other people have in the event that you may need. How much more valuable is that free bottle of water from someone in the campground? in a situation like that versus if you were to ask for something like that in the city, right? That mode of thinking and that place of gratitude and awareness is very easy to access when you take yourself into nature and when you put yourself out of your comfort zone in situations like this. And I found that I was doing a lot of growing and healing as I was taking these nature trips. And it'd be interesting because I would take a nature trip and budget like well, now that inflation is a thing, I would have to budget more. But at the time, I was budgeting like 150 for these trips, right? And it was about a day trip, uh, 30-ish hours or so. So that would include my gas there and back. That would include any groceries that I bought or anything I purchased to eat there. And um, that would include my Airbnb or hotel stay. So really good, honestly, when you include all of that now, Unfortunately, you'd probably have to double that. I don't know. I could do a whole episode on Airbnb and my feelings about Airbnb and the shenanigans and shit that they're on right now, okay? But 
back in the day, it actually did feel like good old Airbnb is there for you when you need it and is reasonably priced and is helping you explore the world. And so I took advantage of that. So all of that to say, there are lots of benefits from taking a solo trip. And I really recommend doing that in a place where you can get away from people into nature and off the grid. Just energetically, it's cleansing and healing, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I can't tell you how freeing it was to to let go of my phone for the day. And I didn't have a worry about it ringing. I didn't have a worry about needing to respond or be accessible, which I didn't realize had such a claw in me until that day. I mean, I had my phone with me for like pictures and things like that. I wasn't checking for things. I wasn't seeing if anyone was checking for me. Uh, And to just really be off the grid, I could tell that my nervous system was relaxed on a subtle level in a way that it hadn't been in a really long time. And there was a few other things I noticed, just like my clarity of thought and my train of thinking was deeper and less cluttered than it normally is. And I felt honestly like I was in a day-long meditation, like a state of that hyper-awareness and focus and peace and calm. That was the state of my mind the whole time I was in the park. Yes, I think part of that had to do with knowing I wasn't gonna get interrupted via the phone, but also too, I think that there's just this coming back into this groundedness of how humans were always meant to be and how humans always were right up until really like the past, like, I don't know, 20 years, even in the past 10 years, the way that technology has come in and overruled every aspect of our lives under the guise of being helpful, like that has radically shifted from what it's always been. And so getting away from all of that really allows us to recalibrate into our true being, our true selves, our highest selves, right? And if you are a spiritual practitioner, if you are a follower of Buddhism or anything like that, then I'm sure you've heard the term higher self and you understand that that's where (laughs) the magic comes from, right? Like our spirit guides, our highest selves, it's all about us being able to quiet our minds and be open to receiving that intuition and that guidance. And it's really hard to do that when we're surrounded by the buzz of electricity and all the things plugged into it, everything emitting an electromagnetic frequency, all of that stuff. So I don't know enough about that to like give it to you straight, but I can drop these gems and invite you to to do your own research. All of that to say, I experienced the the physical benefits of getting off the grid and I highly, highly recommend that you do as well. So that whole day was like such a, it really was a trip. Like I just felt so alive and excited and my child self was, exploring on the rocks and bopping around with my backpack and drinking water out of a a hydro pack and I wore my little bandana and I took some pictures with my tripod and I just gave myself for full permission to explore and my state of being was so high like really like it's just such a nature can raise your your vibration your frequency exponentially but even more so when we're there without any distractions and we're just being fully present and it was, it was a really beautiful thing to experience. And so from that trip, I continued to curate my solo trips more intentionally and more frequently. And it's been a minute since I've done one, but I, <laughs> I am patiently awaiting the day that I get a chance to take another one because they're, they're super valuable. Let's get into the planning part of this episode and the logistics and how you can make this happen for yourself. So we kind of touched base earlier, but make sure you schedule this trip 
If you only can do it on the weekends, then by all means, get out and do it on the weekends. You'll just have to be a little bit more intentional about timing and and doing your best to kind of beat the crowds. I found, and what I was doing at the time, was one, Airbnbs, hotels, etc. Lodging is less expensive during the week, so... I was able to, at the time, with my schedule, I was able to do that. So I would book trips on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, and that would be when I would go. Uh, Next up is to, of course, pick a location that's in nature, preferably, and no more than two to three hours away. Uh, And this is two to three hours away, no traffic. Obviously, if there's traffic, that length of time can be much longer. But two to three hours is good because you still you get the road trip feel. It's not so long of a drive that it's tough to like sleep and then turn around and go right back. Like if you had to do a five hour drive to get somewhere, like 10 hours that you're on the road and you're probably only in your de- destination for like 12 of those hours and then you're asleep for eight of those hours. So that something like that doesn't really make sense. But a two hour drive, for example, from L.A. to Joshua Tree or L.A. to Palm Springs, super doable and it's easy to do that early in the morning on a tuesday and then turn around and do that in the afternoon on a wednesday you still feel like you got a complete experience without feeling like you've been on the road all day once you've got that down right you've you've sorted out your lodging you've sorted out your budget and you've sorted out where you want to go you then want to move forward into into planning your trip, right? And so I recommend leaving in the morning because you want to maximize the amount of time that you're going to be on your adventure. And so for me, let's we'll stick with our Joshua Tree example. I think I left at six or seven in the morning and my goal was to be in Joshua Tree, like waiting in line to get into the park between like nine and ten. And so that was perfect because I, the, the park is open 24 hour, if I'm not mistaken. This is great because you can beat traffic if necessary and you can get on the road and just get into the, the groove of your adventure, right? And when you get on the road, that is when the adventure starts. So if you start earlier, it gives you more of that day, of course. Know that this is going to be a very full, long day, but it's a good day. And if you plan accordingly, You'll still have time for rest and time to feel like there's a nice flow to the day and that things are not jam-packed, go, go, go. Leaving in the morning around 6, 7 in the morning, great. You've got your two to three hour drive. Let's say that that puts you at your location at 10. Next tip here is to pick a a place upon arrival that you want to explore. So if this is nature... National Park is great. When I visited Idlewild, excuse me, I immediately went to a trailhead that I had researched before. And so that was great because I could I had my hiking boots in the car, I had my pole, I had my snacks and my hiking backpack all set up and I just drove straight to the trailhead and then I started hiking, which was awesome. So that's also great as well. Uh, so depending on the location you pick, the activity will vary, but you will be going straight from your car to your activity. So just be prepared for that. You want to maximize your time and get in your activity earlier on because the way that this itinerary is laid out, the goal is to wrap up your activity between 2 to 4 p.m., which is ideally when your hotel room or your Airbnb will be ready. Go have your activity for Joshua Tree trip, it was I was in the national park for like six hours or so, maybe seven hours. I was there for a long time, but it was great, and the time flew by. And I knew that I wanted to see the sunset in 
the park because Joshua Tree is famous for a lot of things, but specifically their sunrises and their sunsets are beautiful in the desert. And so I knew that I wanted to be there for sunset. So I didn't get to my Airbnb until like six o'clock or so. And at the time, this was a winter trip. So the sun was already down at that point. But you want to make sure that you have your destination, you have your gear for your destination, and just go right into whatever your activity is. Wrap up your activity, check into your Airbnb. Now it's up to you. If you have snacks, which I highly recommend doing a little grocery trip for some road snacks and then for your snacks at the Airbnb, I allow for one outing, like one time where I'm eating out at a restaurant during the course of this trip. So for me at Joshua Tree, I ate, I went out and had breakfast and that was the meal that I paid for at a restaurant and I had prepared a meal prep for dinner, which was easy. And then I had my snacks for that day and for the following day. For you, maybe you want to have lunch and then have your dinner and then a quick breakfast in the morning and that's something that you bring. Maybe you want to have dinner, Um, but dinner is tricky because depending on what the activity is, I just don't feel like I want to go back to the room, freshen up, get ready, do that whole thing just to go back out. But if you're going to a place that has a, you know, they're known for something, maybe there's got, they've got a famous diner, or maybe there's a famous food, or maybe there's like something special about the location that you're visiting where dinner is the vibe or breakfast is the vibe or whatever, then, you know, catch the vibe. Like absolutely do the famous diner thing. Uh, But for me personally, I found that unless that's the case, I prefer to wake up and grab breakfast and have that be taken care of. But it just depends. Again, also, if I'm visiting somewhere that I know isn't particularly vegan friendly, then I'll pick the meal that's easier to get vegan service. I love everything about being vegan, except for the fact that the breakfast options still feel kind of limited. So I know most places are not going to be able to accommodate for a vegan breakfast like they would a vegan lunch. Like it's pretty easy nowadays to find a veggie burger, an impossible burger, something along those lines, but it's not as common to be able to find a tofu scramble or a just egg omelet or things like that. So you may not have to do your research in the same way about food, but that's something that I always consider because I have a special dietary regimen. So that's just, you know, me. So after you finish your activity, you've checked into your Airbnb and maybe it is around that three or four o'clock mark where you still have energy for one more activity and you're not necessarily in for the night. And this will always also depend too on how many nights you're staying. You may have it in you to do a quick little freshen up and go out on the town. And that that is great. That is different. Quick freshen up to drop off your stuff, maybe do a quick shower if you need and go back into town is different than, at least for girls, getting ready for dinner. Because dinner is like its own moment, its own picturesque moment. And and I usually give myself the the liberty of just keeping it simple and casual as far as my makeup and hair and all of that. I usually don't like dress up when I'm out doing a solo thing in nature, obviously. Um, but some people might. And if that's part of what lights you up and you want to, that's cool. So just plan for that if that's what you want to do. I remember, at least for this specific Joshua Tree example, I had already gotten to the Airbnb and it was dark. It was like six or 6.30, so I knew I was gonna be in for the night. So keep in mind, if you're going out during the week and this is when this trip is planned, you might not have as many nighttime activities like you would if you're visiting somewhere on a weekend. Have your little reset and then usually after my activity and I come home and I freshen up and I go back out, that's when I'll visit the town. 
So I'll visit whatever the small town is or whatever the surrounding area is around my Airbnb and just see what's up. See the sites, take pictures. Joshua Tree is known for its art exhibits and it's interesting like artists and culture and music culture. So I'll bop, I bop around there. I see what's up, take pics, kind of like meander around, uh, you know, see if there's anything interesting I could get into. Uh, if you're doing somewhere like Idlewild or Santa Barbara, maybe there's something there. So it's like you're not exactly out to have dinner, although that may lead to dinner. Um, but it gives you an opportunity to see the sights and not feel like you're not getting that part of the experience, too. Because I think that's important as well, especially depending on where you visit. Like Joshua Tree is pretty iconic. It's cool to be able to see that. Um, but if you're visiting somewhere like Sequoia, for example, and you know, maybe you're staying in a town that's like 30 or 40 minutes away from the main town, it might not make sense. So like I said, it just depends, but there's an option here in your itinerary after you come back from your activity and you freshen up to go bop around the town. If you're getting back to your place a little bit later and the activity you've had is really strenuous and you just need to call it a night, then call it a night. Like let this be your solo trip where you actually take that long shower or hot bath. That's another pro tip, something I like to book if I'm able to, if it's available. I don't have a bathtub in my apartment, so that's a little luxury for me that I try to find when I'm doing a solo trip somewhere. And even if it's not a solo trip, even if I'm going somewhere with a partner, with girlfriends, I'm always on the hunt for either a big ass bathtub or a hot tub. <laughs> I'm like, does it have a jacuzzi? Okay, let's go. Because that's just something that I really enjoy. I find that super relaxing and I don't have access to in my normal life. So if I can pay an extra 20, 30, $40 for my bathtub or hot tub experience, then I absolutely will because that is just another special part of the trip that I don't normally get to enjoy. And that also too is something that you could think about when you book. Are you thinking you want to go out to dinner to some pop and diner or do you really want to indulge in your space? That's something for me I usually find myself having quieter evenings uh, and this is more so if I'm in a nature place usually small towns like that will kind of shut down early especially if it's during the week but it's also something to know by way of safety for females you know you maybe not don't want to be out or feel comfortable being out after dark in a town that you're unfamiliar with by yourself I've never felt like my safety was threatened in any way I've never really felt unsafe truthfully I felt more unsafe in the alley behind my apartment in my city where I live <laughs> than I have ever felt out at night hiking or biking or grabbing a cocktail or just being out exploring at night. I don't put myself explicitly out at night, you feel me, but if I happen to be wrapping up my town shopping or boutique shopping or a dinner or something and it's nightfall, like I feel generally safe. So to each his own, if that's something that's a concern of yours, maybe grab a taser or pepper spray or, you know, some type of weapon with you, you know, no, no shame in that game uh, and be comfortable using it and learn how to use it if that's a concern. But because of that, I don't explicitly plan things at night by myself when I'm out, you know, on a trip. But if I'm out at night, I kind of just roll with the punches, but it is something that I'm mindful of. More often than not, I will usually just indulge in a very like top level self-care experience. And depending on what I have planned for the following day, I'll usually want to take it easy 
at night anyway. Usually I aim to be in bed asleep when I'm on a solo trip by 10 at the latest, and that's because I like to always make it a point to see the sunrise in any new location that I am in. And that is something that formed actually over the course of this solo trip, the one that I'm referencing, Joshua Tree, because I stayed in a trailer. I booked a a trailer, and it was a really cute, fully built out trailer. It had a flushable toilet and a shower and everything, so it wasn't like full camping vibes. But it was tiny and it was cute and it was perfect for one person. The way the bed was set up, there are windows on each side and I woke up randomly, I think because the heater had shut off over the night and I was really cold. And I woke up at like between four and five and I saw the the sunrise starting to peek out over the mountains through my window. And I was just so stunned. I was like, oh my gosh, because I had wanted to wake up and see the sunrise. I I was really ambitious this trip. I'm like, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to wake up, hop in my car, go back into National Park and see the sunrise over Choya Cactus Garden, which if you're familiar with the Choya Cactus, they're these really cute, quirky, I call them the Dr. Seuss cacti because they just look fake. Like They look like animated cacti, but they're not. They're real cactuses, which are pretty, they're pretty um, aggressive. So definitely like wear shoes and cover up if you visit the Choya Garden. The way that the Choya are shaped and the way that the light comes through their spikes at sunset and at sunrise, if you happen to catch the garden at that time, the Choya look like they're glowing. And it's a very interesting dynamic that I I wanted to capture on film and I wanted to just see like in person. Uh, Unfortunately, I stayed up too late (laughs) watching shows and just enjoying my own company that I didn't have it in me to like fully go back out and and do that whole thing. But it was nice because I actually ended up being able to watch the sunrise from my bed. So I kind of perched open the window and moved the curtains and I was just snuggled up in my bed just sitting watching the sun come up over the mountains. And it was that trip where I decided, you know what, Savannah, like every time we're in a new place, Savannah. So I talk to myself a lot. I think we all do if we don't, maybe just me, but I have these conversations and this inner dialogue with myself sometimes, especially when I, I feel like I'm vibing high and I'm in a place where my thoughts are clear and I'm setting like high value intentions for myself. And I remember saying to myself like, hey, this is something that I'm going to continue to do moving forward in any new place that I visit. I'm going to make it a point to see the sunrise at least once during my trip. And so from that point, from that place, I've seen the sunrise in Hawaii. I've seen the sunrise in Tulum. I've seen the sunrise in Cancun and in Playa del Carmen and in Idlewild and and trying to think of where else I've visited like post or pandemic into now. Uh, but yeah, I've made it an intentional point to to see the sunrise in all these locations. And it's just so there's something so powerful about watching the sunrise. And I feel like I'm getting into a little bit of like <laughs> like a spiritual Zen like vibe right now. But if you if you get it and you either shoot photography or film or just into nature or hiking, like you get it. Like sun sunsets are super beautiful and dreamy and like just gorgeous to watch but there's something so rewarding and pristine and ethereal about a sunrise and i think that's intentional via the universe like all right we're gonna reward you for doing the hard thing and getting up and seeing this um because they're both beautiful i'm happy with a sunrise or a sunset regardless but 
there's just something special and mystical about a sunrise. It's different than a sunset. And to be able to see sunrises in different places, you start to notice that and, and start to kind of like add them to your collection. And I, I honestly, I should make a collection of sunrise photos because I have a bunch. But anyway, I digress. See the freaking sunrise. <laughs> Make it a point. This is your solo trip in nature. You're here to recharge and recalibrate and realign and vibe high. Catch that sunrise, girl. Okay, you know what to do. So watch the sunrise, go back to bed, or you could be ambitious depending on when you went to bed the night before. Start your next part of the trip at sunrise. And so this can be beautiful. You can catch a hike before you get into the rest of your day. Uh, You can catch a hike and then grab breakfast or coffee like in the town and then go back to Airbnb to like pack up and chill. Or you could just pack up from that point. If you know that your adventure is going to take you past checkout point, then kind of start the ball from there, you know, and just kind of take the opportunity to be the person that you want to be but that is it's challenging to be when you're at home right and so these trips and that's why i say that these trips go into it with the intention of like raising your vibration and practicing your spirituality and just like self and personal growth because without all of distractions and all the extras and all the accessibility to people wanting you people needing you your responsibilities all of that you're just left with yourself and the belongings that you brought, you know, in your itinerary. But it's beautiful because at that point, you're easily moldable. And so you can, for 30 hours, choose to be a better version of yourself. When you get home, you'll find that part of that, those part of what you experience will stick with you. Obviously, make that intention. You know, it's very easy sometimes to slip back into your old routine. But if you hold yourself to a higher caliber and a higher standard and and make it that intention to experience that and live that way, like for one day, you were the person that made the intention to watch the sunrise and catch a sunrise hike that that has impacts that lasts over the course of however long that you just choose to honor that i've definitely noticed that it's something that has affected me powerfully and and that's why i think these trips are so valuable even just one night you know one night one night trip you're out living (laughs) living vibing thriving doing all of the things and and you can reflect on that trip and go wow i know i have it in me and that confidence and that self-belief will continue to build it's powerful you have an opportunity here to watch the sunrise maybe go back to bed and then you can start your day like regular uh this particular joshua tree trip that's what i did i caught the sunrise went back to bed got up early or i guess regular time at this point i don't know it was like seven or eight um packed up my things because i knew i wanted to go back into the park so and I think I did end up going back and seeing the Choya. Even though I couldn't catch the sunrise time, I was on my list. I was like, I got to see this cactus. Like, it's it's supposed to be this iconic cactus. So I went and I got breakfast at Natural Sisters. Shout out Natural Sisters. It's a really popular vegan restaurant. And I think they're only open until lunchtime. Sorry, excuse me. They're not vegan, but they have the most vegan options on their menu out of any restaurant in joshua tree so naturally i gravitated there and they offer a vegan breakfast they do a really good vegan scramble they do a really good vegan breakfast sandwich well honestly i think the scramble was a little bit better than the sandwich but regardless i was there for it so that was my treat out that was my one time that i dined out i had breakfast 
and I just so happened to run into the farmer's market in Joshua Tree. So that was really cool. So I grabbed some fruit. Oh my gosh, top tier tip. Anytime you're out in nature, but especially when you're in the desert, pick up some fruit. Even if it's not like farmer's market fruit, like do the best you can, organic, whatever. But f- juicy fruit in the desert just hits differently, okay? Like there's something about it. I don't know if it's because intrinsically we know that water and liquid is so hard to come by in the desert. So when you're enjoying a fruit in the desert, like an orange or grapes, the sensation in your mouth is just so pleasant. I don't know. I experienced a true feeling of abundance and gratitude when I ate a tangerine in the desert. And it's like little things like this where it's like, Savannah, what are you talking about right now? But if you get it, you get it. This is why these trips are so important. When else in your regular life are you really appreciating the value and the abundance that is food and nature. You have to be in those settings and really remove yourself away from all of our conveniences in order to be in that place to have that moment. So it's like, you gotta create that moment for yourself. This is really important. And maybe you can't do all the things that I'm sharing. Maybe you can only do a half day trip, like I mentioned in the beginning, like start with wherever you're at and you don't have to spend any money aside from the gas to get there and maybe like an entrance fee into a park. Even if it is just a city park or it's a park outside of your city, take the baby steps to start to carve some of these experiences out for yourself and you'll still receive the benefits and the spiritual insights and growth that comes from it. So quick little tips. Whoa, I didn't realize this episode was going to be so long or that I was so passionate about this. I thought this was going to be a quick 15 minute thing. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Make sure that you have your sites set out beforehand. So like have your hike picked out, have your national park picked out, pick up any tickets or maps ahead of time if you know you're not going to have any service. Make sure that you have your restaurants picked out or at least two or three so that you don't have to spend so much time on your phone, researching, reading reviews, doing all that. Maybe that's just me. That's something and it's an extra step I take maybe unnecessarily a lot. <laughs> so I save myself that that time by doing that ahead of time. And so I'm, I'm sharing that tip with you in case you happen to be the same way. Make sure that you bring games, books, paint, journaling, whatever with you to the Airbnb, whether you're going to have your whole solo night in or whether you're just going to be winding down after dinner. Make it a point to just engage with things that are not technology based. Watching a movie can be pretty wholesome, you know, whatever. I guess that's okay. I would challenge you to really just stay grounded and present and do something that doesn't have a screen. So like I mentioned, painting and journaling, reading, writing. Uh, games, which can be fun. I guess that you would need a second person to play a board game, but still, you know, there's lots of things that you could do that don't involve a screen. Cause like I said, you know, give yourself an opportunity to just be a different, more organic (laughs) homegrown person in these experiences, because oftentimes, you know, you're probably looking at a screen listening to this, or there's a screen involved in the way that you're hearing this message. And it's just nice to step away from that. Oh, and then of course, wrap it up with an activity before you leave. Wake up, grab breakfast, right? Or make breakfast, depending on how you've set up your schedule. And then get in your last activities. Usually I don't choose something super strenuous for this because after your activity, you're going to have to hit the road back home. And depending on where you pick, that could be, it could be uncomfortable to do like a two hour drive if you're sweaty and gross from like a really intense hike. But if you're committed to it and there's something you really want to get in and you're making the most of the time, then yeah, get in a hike, do your thing and just be sweaty on that drive home for this one time, right? It's not that big of a deal. I usually err on the side of 
of easy to moderate for my activity or I'll do something that's more that's indoor so like maybe I'll catch an art exhibit or a museum or something with music or uh, I'll check out the shops the day of before I head out so it just depends on where you're staying and what you're doing but squeeze in your one last activity and then hit the road that's gonna do it for this episode that is your itinerary for a day trip I will write these things out (laughs) in the show notes if you haven't explored the show notes please do there's a link that says podcast show notes in this description of this episode tap that and it will take you to my website that has all the show notes for past episodes all the links all the photos any attachments that i have all that good stuff lives there thank you so much for listening let me know if you're inspired now to take a solo trip or if you have taken a solo trip Any tips that you have or feedback on how to make this itinerary better would be so appreciated. Thank you so much for listening, for rating and reviewing, and for being on this ride with me. I appreciate you so, so much, and I will talk to you all next week. If you're taking away a little inspiration or wisdom from today's show, send it to a friend, post it on your socials, or leave a rating and review, all of which help to reach more listeners like you.